With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in lineup logic to the sweet spot for the Wells Fargo Championship. I'm your host, Mike Alexander, aka Rotowan. Joining me tonight, Alex Remazowski. What's going on, Alex? What's up? Not much. Uh excited. Excited to be getting back into some real PGA. As interesting as last week could have been. <laughs> it uh really just didn't do it for me, and I think the lack of DFS play may have uh, contributed to that a bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about last week? You think they should keep doing it like that? Yeah, you know, I'm always interested in, in different formats. It's, it was really surprising that nobody put anything together. Even like PGA.com has its own fantasy side of its website, and they didn't even try to put something together. It's not hard. You just... You, you pick five teams, you know, there's 80 teams, you pick five of them. It's you score it. Like it's, it's really, it's a really easy thing to figure out. And you know, they're leaving money and advertising on the table. So um, yeah, we'll it, see if that changes next year. It honestly blew my mind. Like I, I know I tweeted it out last week when I was sitting there with nothing else to do, but like the, the Dell technologies, they're not the whatever was the match play earlier this year that DraftKings that everything can throw something together for that format and somehow make it work and like honestly like what's the difference you're going to choose a team of players instead of one player and we're all working with the same field and the same prices so I don't know why it's so difficult for them to do but they couldn't do it and life goes on yeah, they, they literally don't even have to change the scoring. It's, it's still eagles, birdies, pars, bogeys, doubles. <laughs> yeah, like I was going through it in my head, and I told myself the same thing. I was having a, a conversation with someone else, and I was like, there's nothing different about this. They're playing yeah. even no matter if it's best ball, you're, they're going to do the scoring with the best ball score. If it's alternate shot, they're gonna. it's still a birdie or a par or a bogey on every hole. Someone comes in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, like – whatever right. i don't they, know they, they probably freaked a little bit from a pricing standpoint like you know they're they usually pull 
tournament history and recent performance. Um, and, you know, being on a team kind of throws a wrench into that. But you, you spend, you know, two hours building a, a algorithm that you, you think covers yourself and makes it even and fair. Like it's it's it doesn't have to be rocket science. So. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you pay me uh, $50 and give me a half a day <laughs> and I will come up with some challenging pricing for that tournament. I promise you. Just you know, give give me ten free entries into the uh, to the four, and uh, we'll we'll call it even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find a fan, and like I said, we're all working with the same field too. So I guess that's all I'm going to say. But no matter what the pricing is, it doesn't matter because everyone right has to play by that pricing. So right, exactly. I don't know. But uh, anything notable to come out of there? There's a couple of missed cuts uh, that that raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, keeping it brief, I would say. I will think about what happened last week very minimally well considering picks for this week, number one. Number two, um, I think in the future, I would probably stay away from this in any way possible. Uh, I guess if it's on Daily Fantasy, yes, I'll be making some lineups. You can bet on that. But from the names we see, the teams finishing in the top 10, top 15 – it was pretty hard to predict. I mean, Billy Herschel and Scott Piercy ended up winning with their low round on Saturday. Billy Herschel's been on a bit of a heater, so whatever. Yeah, sure. That's that's understandable. But I guess important things to highlight at this point would be the missed cuts, like you said. Um, I think I got four of them sitting right here in front of me. A couple of them very relevant to this week. Justin Thomas and Bud Colley. Shot 70-70. They missed the cut. That is a bit surprising to me. They were honestly one of my favorites looking at the field. They were probably a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. Uh, just because of JT and then Bud Colley's been playing pretty well lately. So they missed the cut. Jordan Spieth and Ryan Palmer, um, another one of the groups I liked. I didn't put anything on them, but they were also minus four, missed the cut. Uh, and then Sergio and Rafa Cabrera Bello, he, they, they, that, that was a big surprise to me, but I guess it shouldn't be seeing as Sergio has just like not been himself since the masters. So those are probably three of the biggest. Then you got Wesley, Wesley, Brian, John Rahm, which I thought was such a strange pairing. I don't know if they have like a history or their friends. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't aware of that, but I, I liked the team. Didn't, didn't work out for him. And then I guess the last notable thing would be Brooks Kapka came back from his injury. He's been out for some time now. And he played with Mark Ternasia. And I could have guessed this would happen, but they also missed the cut. Yeah, not uh, not too encouraging for Kepka uh, coming into this week. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to him. He's down in the eights. I believe. Uh, yeah, I would actually like to go back and take a closer look because I didn't pay attention all that much. But in some of those, whole, like the best ball, you can actually narrow it down to see exactly how he did. But mm-hmm. And then Friday would have been alternate shot. So they shot 67-78. So the alternate shot clearly did not go well for them. Yeah, that hurt a lot of people. You know, there, there was guys hitting into the water, things like that. Oh, yeah. Spieth. Spieth and Palmer on Friday, I was 
caught those last few holes. They hit it yeah. in the water a couple times. They Spieth tried to hit a bunker shot on the 18th hole that they pretty much needed to get up and down to make the cut. And Spieth, it, it, I mean, it was it was like a fried egg in there, but he left it right there in the bunker and. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That that was not a good look, but yeah, people people were struggling on Friday with the alternate shot. But all right, so let's let's jump into this week. We got a pretty good field. Um, a lot of names back that we're used to seeing. Uh, the the course is uh, Quail's Hollow. It's been renovated in the in the last uh, year here, maybe a little more than a year. Um, they did away with some par fives but it's still a really long course. Um, so you go ahead and give your breakdown, Alex, and I'll give my thoughts at the end there. All right, yeah. So we got the 2018 Wells Fargo Championship. Like you said, it's at Quail Hollow in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. It's over 7,500 yards, pushing 7,600 yards. It's a par 71 now. used to be a par 72. The players, PGA Tour pros are – Overall, pretty familiar with this course. It's been on tour a long time. Last year, the Wells Fargo Championship was not played here because they held the PGA Championship here. Uh, We discussed this a little bit, but it's a long course. People are going to be looking at at driving distance at at the Bombers this week. Um, In terms of some past winners so we had brian Harmon last year in 2017 but this was not played at quail hollow last year rory mcelroy has won here twice and then we had james hahn in 2016 jb holmes in 2014 ricky fowler won in 2012 lucas glover in 2011 and so rory won in 15 and 10 i think Mm -hmm. some of the most notable parts of this course would be the length uh the rough not much to worry about. I think strokes are really going to be gained around and on the green in addition to off the tee. There's plenty of sand and hazards out there, but I think they're kind of being put on the back burner because they don't really pay, play that much of a role. They play a role, but it's not really a big threat to be thinking of here. And kind of going along with the distance, I believe there are nine par fours that are over 450 yards long since this redesign. So like you said, we lost a par five. I think scoring on the par fives will still be important, even though there is one last par five. But the par four scoring on the real long par fours, I mean, half the course is made up of par fours that are over 450 yards. So that's pretty significant. The greens are known to be very fast. They were formerly formerly bent grass, and they are now Bermuda grass greens, and they are very fast, rock hard greens. So it's possible that some of these approach shots aren't going to be landing quite as close to the pin as people would like. So putting, gaining strokes on Bermuda, gaining strokes on fast greens and around the green for when you land on the back of the green and run over being able to get up and down is going to be pretty important here. So, so gaining birdies and then being able to get up and down to avoid bogeys, I think are some of my, some of my biggest uh, focuses this week. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how fast they play. I, I, I know they sped them up last year uh, for the Players' Championship, but it, it sounded like they were probably not going to be quite at that level, a little bit closer to the, the you know tour average speed-wise. Still fast, but... Yeah, I think I, I agree well. with that because, I mean, everyone knows the PGA Championship. They're pretty much trying to make the course every year, wherever it is, as difficult as possible. Right. We spoke a little bit about the, the rough, I think. Uh, you can what, – what do you – give your take on the rough. I know you know a little bit more about this than I do. Yeah, so, you know, what we were talking about before the show is uh, it's – in my opinion, you have to be really careful this week with course history. They made major changes, um, both in you know the the par layout and length of the course due to that. And then they also overseeded the the rough with ryegrass. And according to the to the greenskeeper, it's almost one hundred percent ryegrass is what is active right now coming out of the winter which is easier to play out of and they're going to cut it, you know, fairly close. I think um, is the sound of things. So, you know, they've played this, this course in this layout one time for the players, but the greens were really fast. The rough was really tough. That plays completely different on a long course than what I think it's going to be this week. And, you know, that's important because the big hitters have a huge advantage on a course that doesn't punish you for a lack of accuracy um you know when you can just haul off and and land in the rough and and not have to worry about hitting out of long thick rough like that um it's it's going to be really interesting i i don't think there's too much predictive nature uh in course history here um yeah there's it's not completely worthless when you have a guy like rory who's got, you know, such a history, you know, I think you do still need to consider it slightly, um, but definitely be careful uh, game log hunting uh, this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I'll add to that is if you kind of look at the four or five years previous to last year, I think that will, I think it's legitimate to take a look at and consider a bit. Mm -hmm. I think I'll, I'll keep it. I'll take it into consideration in, who I'm choosing this week. I mean, I think there are some people who don't have history in the last five years that I still will be interested in, but just Mm -hmm. being out there and like, it's not like the whole course change. Like it's a few holes, uh, the the par of we dropping off a par five like that. But like you said, Rory, he holds the course record. He has the single round record. He has the four round record. He's won here twice. I think it's safe to say that, whatever conditions this course will be playing in, he's probably pretty confident with. And right. uh, I guess one last thing with the lack of rough and the length and the pretty pristine and quick conditions, I think we have some some consistencies from year to year, whether it's like a little slower or the rough is a mm-hmm. little shorter. I think – I think it can be taken into consideration, but definitely like take it with a with a grain of salt there, and don't base everything you're doing on course history. I agree on that. Yeah, and, and Rory segues nicely in, into the guys at the top. He's the most expensive guy on DK. He's got the course history coming off of a pretty good performance at the Masters, and then even even like the course changes, I think play to his strong suits. Um, 
you know, the long par fours are something he's usually pretty good on. Um, yeah, they added a little sand, which um, let me see how he does in sand there real quick. Um, yeah, I he's, think- he's pretty good out of the sand. So, you know, um, that kind of thing is, is not going to throw him off his game. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Like, I don't have any worries about if we're just looking at Rory thinking about the type of player he is and how he fits the course, which is obviously well. I don't have any worries about him. I think what I'm scared about with Rory is just his complete ability to turn it on and then completely Mm -hmm. off. And he's coming off a pretty good stretch here, winning the Arnold Palmer Invitational last month. And then coming in fifth at the Masters, he had that pretty ugly Sunday where he pretty much just played himself right out of it. I wouldn't. Yep. I wouldn't even really say Patrick Reed played himself into the win there. He had multiple people trying to catch up to him, and Rory just completely let it go. Which is yeah. like you can't you can't fault someone for necessarily falling behind on Sunday at the Masters, but it is Rory we're talking about. Right. And I don't know with Rory, is it like a two on four off, two on four off type thing? I I really don't know. It's hard to predict. But being the top priced guy of the week with this crazy course history, if people are going to be kind of looking toward anyone up here, I would imagine he'll be the popular pick. But it's interesting with the pricing because 11.8 is expensive. He's he's the most most expensive guy on the slate in terms of DraftKings. And we've seen higher than that. Like you can fit him in here. We're going to talk about some cheaper options later. So yeah, there, there, there's definitely there's definitely some values. So I, I think guys at the top are going to be slightly more popular than than they usually are. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of like comparing this to something like the Masters, where we had a lot of these same, same names up top. I think the ones you got to worry about here are really like Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, who are all over that eleven thousand range because that limits who you're going to put in your lineup to back them up. So you're going to have to really, if you're going to play up there, you got to choose someone up there. And right now, I guess he, he's, he's the one that piques my interest the most, but I, I don't think that's going to be very uncommon. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously his, his distance off the tee and his, and his approach shot uh, distance is really playing well on this course for him. It all comes down to the putter. He's pretty good on Bermuda greens, uh, but a- any given week, I think right now he can just have a meltdown punting wise, but you yeah. can't predict that. <laughs> and that's my main worry. I, one, one other thing I'll point out is just, I, I have been focusing on kind of three main stats so far and just seeing where all these guys line up and over the last 36 rounds is the sample I pulled for strokes gained around the greens and strokes gained off the tee and then i also looked at a rolling report of putting on firm bermuda green so i was getting pretty specific with that one but Mm -hmm. rory is one of the only guys in the field this was a pretty quick look so i wouldn't say he's the only one but he's one of the only ones that places firmly in the top 30 in the field in each one of those categories so that's another thing that i really do like about him but i will 
definitely say that I don't trust him week to week to week. He's definitely someone who I can see missing a cut here and there, and that always scares me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're close in price. The next guy down, Justin Thomas, 11-3. I think he's probably my preference out of the two. A lot a lot has to do with the distance off the tee there for JT but with a more complete game. Um, but I think he's going to be just as popular as Rory, if not maybe a, a hair more popular. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just completely forgot to say his name earlier when I was saying you got to choose kind of one of those three guys that's four guys and Justin Thomas is there. And I think people are going to be very drawn to him. Like they are almost every single week. And for good reason, um, Justin Thomas is another guy that I'm, if I'm going to trust someone, it's going to be him. But I personally have no problem with passing them both up here with like some of these names down just a bit below. So, I mean, Justin Thomas has had decent decent history here and he's been obviously playing great golf. It's hard to it's hard to really leave him out of a lineup in any tournament at this point in his career in this season and just everything he's been doing. So, I mean, like the Masters was like it was like you weren't thinking about him for a little while, and it was just because he had like not a great first round. But he's Justin Thomas, and that was the Masters. Everything else, we've pretty much seen him at worst top twenty. So, I I agree with you though. For a consistency and a, like an edge off the price, I think Justin Thomas is the way I would probably fall at this moment between those top two guys. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you got Jason Day, Ricky Fowler rounding out the top four. Um, I, for for me, Ricky is always—he's just always underowned for as good as a golfer as he is. Uh, you know, for some of the baggage that goes along with him. So he's a guy that you got to be careful not to ignore, especially in tournaments. Uh, Jason Day is another huge hitter, putts well on on Bermuda. Uh, and he's having a pretty good season. So, um, you know, any of these options at the top are, are definitely rosterable. Yeah, I, I I, I wish I could, like, really add more than that. But, like, I love Ricky Fowler. I'm going to play him every week that he's playing just because, like I always say, the, the moment he wins and he's not in my lineup, I'm going to, like, really hate myself for that. So I'm going to continue to do it. And mm-hmm. this is a – it's a – it's a big price for him, especially when you're looking jumping down to Jason Day is eleven one to ten two. Like that's pretty significant yep. right there. And even just looking at Jason Day's game log on DraftKings, like he is another guy who very rarely finishes outside of the top twenty. And yeah. like you said, the, he's got the Bermuda, he's got the long ball, he he lines up well with this course. It's just we don't have anything to look at like we do for a guy like Rory. So coming off a T20 at the Masters and then a decent finish at the API, I I don't I don't hate it, especially if we look a little further back. He came in second at Pebble Beach and then won the Farmers Insurance. Like he's he's having a good season. He's not playing a ton and people aren't talking about him a ton. But for that price, like 
he he would almost be my like almost a guy I would start with if you're if you don't trust Rory at that price range and then you want to be different and look past Justin Thomas. I think Jason mm-hmm. Day is a very accept like an acceptable start to start your lineups at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the collection areas here are, are Justin Thomas because he's the least, he's the lesser of the two at the top, and then Jason Day saving you that that extra nine hundred bucks. Um, yeah, which is huge. Nine hundred dollars is not to be understated there. Right, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking to win the whole thing, it, it's a little more risk taking Fowler on. But you know, if if the guys at the top have mediocre tournaments, uh, he's he's the guy who's going to push you the farthest up the leaderboard. Yep. Yep. And I think uh, looking right below that, I think we have a very modest price for the Masters champion who's been mm-hmm. wearing his green jacket around for three weeks now. Patrick yeah, first Reed. look at him. And like, I feel like, honestly, I feel like Patrick Reed is a guy who is going to thrive off of like, he's just been so, everybody's been talking about this guy for three weeks. And he is like such a – I feel like everybody's learned so much about Patrick Reed. And I would just mm-hmm. love to see him go back out there and like win this week. I want to see him randomly become dominant on the PGA Tour. Like what a yeah. what a face to be up there, especially knowing all the new stuff we know about Patrick Reed. Like Right. Yeah, like he's, he's kind of like an anti-star. Uh, so for him to be in the limelight is, is – for- a great storyline. Yeah. And it's funny because like back in the Ryder cup days, like I've mentioned this before here, like I loved watching him on the Ryder cup going crazy. And I feel like everybody yeah. loved that. They call him captain America, but now suddenly we know about his estranged family and his, all this, his imagined dragons BS. And like the fact that he plays his practice rounds alone and like suddenly everyone thinks mm-hmm. he's a crazy man. And like, has no feelings and everybody hates him. Like, I don't know. I kind of like it. I'm, I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I mean, he should do well here. Um, Yeah. He's still got that, that that he has, he's the meltdown factor uh, because when it goes wrong for him, it it goes really wrong. Oh, and that is definitely true. Like I'm not usually one to go play someone coming fresh off a win, especially, something like the masters, but like he's had good course history here. He, we didn't play at this course last year, but he finished T 12. And then before that, the, the, in his three years that he played here, he's gained strokes, came tied in 28th, tied in 58th and tied in 32nd. He didn't play in 2014, but he's been hot all season. I was telling people that I liked him coming in, coming into the masters. And the yep. fact that I put him in one lineup paid for me, but I just don't I don't really see him slowing down. Like I think that weird side that we know about him, the fact that he's so introspective and plays these practice rounds alone and clearly doesn't care about anyone else or anything else. Like he's the kind of guy who's probably just focusing on his game and isn't gonna change anything. And I, I kinda like that. Yeah, and, and he's a guy I don't worry about with you know, the spotlight on him in the time off here. Like he still put the work in, I'm sure. Uh, he's not coming in hungover, uh, in my in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think I think nothing has changed for this guy. I think he's probably enjoying wearing that stupid jacket around, but hey, <laughs> like good for him. He earned it. Um, one last thing on Patrick Reed. He's also got my tag for top 30 in both putting on fast Bermuda greens and strokes gained around the green. So the one thing that's missing for him there would be strokes gain off the tee, um, which he's not, he's not a short ball hitter. So he's clearly been keeping the ball straight lately. If he was able to win the masters, I, he was not getting himself in very much trouble that week. I can tell you that. So, Again, back to pricing, like 9700 He's priced less than Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy. After coming off a win at the Masters, I think you can't can't really overlook Patrick Reed here, but kind of the same disclaimer in my opinion. It's He's kind of capable of doing the Rory and just totally imploding. So I like him, yep. but there's always that little little spot there. Yeah, and it's it's going to be your last chance to play him under 10k if uh, if he has a solid week. So that's something to keep in mind if you're looking to scratch a Patrick Reed itch. Oh, for sure, for sure. Any what other names do you like here? We got a couple more in the nines. Yeah, so in the nines, I think I have to mention Tiger Woods, and for me, I'm going to pass on him. Um, I think I saw him like tweet or something that like his break was over and it was like back to the grind i think that was Mm -hmm. sometime last week so it's like kind of leads you to wonder like what were you doing the the past i guess it was only two weeks but one way or another like he was just so overhyped for the masters which i completely see why it's his first masters back and he was playing well coming into it but people really have to temper their expectations on tiger and like I guess I got to go with the same attitude this week as I have in prior Tiger weeks of like rooting for him, but not putting money on him. I can't, I just can't justify it. Like this is the first time I would say his price is like pretty, you know, it's where you start to think about it. I think you put him under 9,000 and I would really be thinking about it, but Mm -hmm. 9,100 having not really been a Wells Fargo quail hollow guy at least in the past five years, I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, tiger, tiger guy this week. And and the driver is what's been giving him trouble all year. And you're not going to win without that. I don't think he might, he might do okay, but yeah. Yeah. That's another, another good point. Um, Phil, Phil, I like Phil. What do you, do you like Phil? I'm a little bit worried on Phil that we're like at the front end of of, of a, of a Phil slump. You know, sometimes he gets into these funks. Um, He profiles decent for the course. He obviously doesn't have the distance, but. um. Yeah, he's, it's like similar with Phil with his driver where he will get into streaks where he can't hit a fairway. Yeah. and And that's, a little scary there and he's like similar to Patrick Reed here where I have him marked for the 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 quick Bermuda greens and then strokes gained around the green which is like Phil to a T there like he's it's his short game and his putting that are going to keep him in this tournament right it's just about what he can do off of the tee I think 
Right. Like you, you say that and, you know, at, at Augusta, it's, you know, the, the rough isn't hard to hit out of, so you don't get punished for a lack of accuracy uh, unless you're like in the woods and uh, trying to swing through a down tree like he was where he whiffed the, on, on that one shot. Yeah. Um, he needs to he needs to like put four rounds together in the Masters. He shot a seventy nine in the second round, and like if he doesn't do something like that, I think if he has four decent to good rounds, you're going to be glad you put him in his line in that lineup. But he he has good tournament history, like Quail Hollow wise, he's done exceptional. So that makes me kind of really want to play him. I think mm-hmm. like. Honestly, starting a lineup, Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson could be, it could be very interesting. I don't know, like, I'm not sure on ownership here, but skipping those top three or four guys and then jumping down to the two that some people might be hot and cold on could be, could be pretty interesting here. Yeah. You have any feel on, on uh, Hideki Matsuyama? I think he could be a sneaky play this week. His... Anybody who looks at uh, any kind of model coming into this, it, he's going to look terrible because he was playing through that injury. Um, but he he was solid at the Masters, and he had a little more time off here. So he, he should be coming out 100%, you would think. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention him, and then I was like, all right, if I'm going to choose one guy here to pass up, it would be mm-hmm. Hideki. Um He's capable of also gaining strokes around the green. Everything else is like a little a little iffy to me. I'm never confident in his putting, but he is coming back into form for sure. He didn't play here in the PGA Championship. Or no, he didn't play here wherever it was, Eagle, whatever, last year. But he has, before that, had three outings at Quail Hollow since 2013, and... All of them were decent. Uh, his most recent two were T11 and T20. So that can't go overlooked. And his last start was the Masters where he finished 19th. So like we see him coming back from that injury that I don't think we need to think about anymore. He's gained strokes at the course. And I think he justifies the 9400 price tag. But... Given the people that are around him, I'd rather play Patrick Reed. I'd rather play Phil Mickelson. And mm-hmm. the last person I'll mention is Tommy Fleetwood, who I'm also pretty interested in this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people probably still be a little gun shy on Fleetwood, maybe slightly less so coming out of the Masters, uh, where he had that one great round. Yeah, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood, when I was first looking over this pricing, trying to figure out who I was really interested in up here, I looked at his name and I said, God damn it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so sick of playing Tommy Fleetwood and having yep. such high expectations for him and then him coming up just a little short or boring me just a little bit. Or he's been like right in the mix for so long after such a great start to the season. He still hasn't missed a cut. He, and that's kind of what I like about him. Like one of the things I like about him is that he, he will disappoint, but it's not such a disappointment that he screws you for the week. Right. Yeah. He rarely misses a cut. Like he's going to give you a a 35th and you're like, 
come on, man. You were, you know, you were t- upper nines. You, you were supposed to be top 20 at least. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like kind of the disappointment factor with him. But at the same time, he is one of these guys that might go overlooked because I think people might be sour on him. Yep. He has nothing to look at for the last five years at Quail Hollow or in this tournament. He's only 9,000. He's one of the best off the tee in over the last 36 rounds. He's gained the most in the field off the tee, which is kind of huge to me here. And then he's got history on the Bermuda greens too, which is uh scratch that. Let me see actually where he around the green. He's 16th. What I'm looking at here is 16th around the green, strokes gained around the green in the last 36 rounds. Bermuda, Bermuda, not so much. He's pretty much middle of the field, not great over over his last couple tournaments on uh, on the fast Bermuda green. So I guess yeah, I guess he's a guy who can struggle play. at times with the flat blade. Yeah. Yeah, and but we did see him play well last week too. I, I know I, I want to not think too much about last week, but they were right in the mix coming down to it. He was, they were within five coming into the last round, and I think they pretty much stayed there through Sunday. So, yep. he's been playing, and he hasn't been playing bad. So he's, nope. I, don't, I don't think he'll hurt you. No. All right, let's kick the eights off with with. Brooks Kepka, because for me at, at 8,600, a guy coming off of an injury with that kind of layoff is, is just a little too risky. Yeah, I think I do want to go look at the the one round on Thursday that we can see his own score, hold the hole, the best ball round from last week. But 8,600 is a bit much to ask for someone who hasn't played in that long. And like, even right before he really took the layoff, I remember he was not playing great. You could say that's because of the injury, but since his big win last year, like he he kind of like peaked and then faded away a bit. And yeah. I think people, he's another one of those guys that people just want to mention as like one of the greats, one of the top players. But I really don't think he's like proved himself to that point. I think people are a little uh, a little yeah, too true. hyped on the Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's going to have a one really good nine, like either you know front or a back on one of the first two days, and you're going to regret fading him for a minute. But at the end of the the you know at the end of the day Friday, I'm feeling like that's probably going to go away. Yeah, like I could see him one of these days. He's probably going to have that round or even like that tournament that you're like, all right now's the time i wish i was ahead of the curve but i that's not worth the risk for me here at all i could agree that maybe he'll have a maybe he'll string 18 holes together but mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's worth it here all right what about uh tony finau and his trick ankle tony finau i like i i like him here 8700 i think that's mm-hmm. that's a a very very good price for him i'm kind of up in the air with both him and Paul Casey right now. Paul Casey's at eighty nine hundred. They're they're both statting out well for me. We saw what Tony Finau did even in the Masters. Like I really, yeah, he I had think a really good Masters. 
Yeah, it, yeah, and I think if I were going to lean toward one of them right now, it would be Tony Finau, and I know we haven't discussed ownership very much, but this is bringing me right back to the Tony Finau chalk-chalk, and I could see people really liking him here because people think Bomber, they think Tony Finau. They think Tony Finau, they think recent history, they think rolled ankle and miraculous weekend at the Masters, yeah. like things are kind of adding up for him right now. And I think he might be popular. Yeah. He'll probably be popular. His price isn't, uh, isn't that, that extreme. Um, and those factors you mentioned are definitely going to have him at the front of people's minds. Yeah. So I guess, uh, be careful with that. Check back. Um, yeah, but he's definitely piquing my interest. I just wouldn't be surprised if he piques other people's interest too. Mm-hmm. who else do you like in the eights here notable names in the eights i guess kind of jumping down to the mid to low eights three guys that i'm thinking about right now it's ryan moore webb simpson and alexander norin mm-hmm. three guys we talk about quite a bit um i'd say if i had to choose one from this crew I, it's tough. It's tough. You got Ryan Moore, Webb Simpson, Alex Norin. Who's your favorite? Uh, you know me, it's Norin. Um, Cheapest too. Yeah. At this price, like uh, he's, he's going to live in my cash lineups. I think he, he's got a great skill set for this course. He's, he's not known as a big hitter, but he's got enough distance and just a really solid all around game. Um, the only thing with Norn that gives me the littlest bit of pause is he's only played the course once, um, and it, you know, it wasn't the best finish. Well, he's, he's only competed on the course once, and he's, it wasn't the best. So, you know, uh, I, that didn't bother me going into the Masters, and then he missed the cut. So uh, that's got me maybe a hair gun shy. But yeah, at eighty one hundred, I, I think he's a uh, he's a great play uh, with Webb. You know, Webb's an interesting guy. He always shows up in models really well. And that's because he does so many things well on a golf course. Um, For me, what you have to do is drill down and figure out, does he do what, what needs to be done on the course the most well? So in this case, that's, you know, he's got to, you got to hit the ball long and he doesn't really do that. So it makes him a riskier play in my book. Yeah. Um, and then Ryan Moore, just just inconsistency. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go near him in a cash lineup, but he's he's fine for a tournament for sure. Yeah, I think I have like things I really like about each one of these three guys, and kind of things I don't really like about him. I guess starting with Norin too, I was really like I was getting hot into him. I was like I I. I you loved him every week and I was steering clear of him every week. And then masters came along and about half my lineups had Alexander Norin in them. And those Mm -hmm. were the half of the lineups that struggled masters week. And that was because he like Phil Mickelson shot a 79 in the second round and missed the cut. The only thing was his first round wasn't too great either. He, doesn't have the history at the course, but you're right. He does have some distance off the tee. He can gain strokes off the tee. 
and he is statting out well in terms of putting on these quick Bermuda greens. And that's the same as Webb Simpson kind of minus the, the distance off the tee. I think Webb Simpson and Alex Noren are both going to make up their strokes putting. Hopefully that's what you would hope for. Webb yeah. Simpson kind of has the course history and the knowing the course and knowing the area as a leg up there. And then Ryan Moore kind of smushes it all together with a bit of complete inconsistency, and you never really know with Ryan Moore. Yeah, I also said, worry. I also worry with Moore that you know, he had a good uh, a good week um, at the Valero, uh, obviously, and then the week before at the RBC, he was good as well. So he's trending in, in a direction that people are going to like, and with an inconsistent golfer. Uh, you start to add chalk on it can be can be a problem. Yeah, I 100% I think people are going to be interested in him because of his past couple tournaments seeing he's done okay at this tournament. Course seems to fit him well, but I think he has a bit more of a downside than the other two guys. So, I think if I had to choose, I would I would go with Webb and Norin with it's it's really tough for me, but I think Webb Simpson, with his ability to stay out of trouble and then also convert on the greens, I think I would I would lean towards Webb, especially in cash, because I think he's not. I I find it hard to believe that Webb is going to hurt you here. Norin has a little bit more of a question mark, but you could gain some ownership leverage on him, and he's only eighty one hundred. So that would be my take on those three guys. All right. Then last guy I want to talk about in the eights is Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, You know, he's, he's not typically in this range where (laughs) he's typically either low sevens or even sixes. Um, But uh, he's, he's got a a couple top fives in in his recent history. So, um, you know, I would expect him to be popular at his normal price. I don't know about here. Um, Oh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I see Bryson DeChambeau in 8,000, and I'm kind of – and then coming off two missed cuts at the tournament, like like we've said a billion times, last year wasn't actually at Quail Hollow. Mm-hmm. I just – I think I can, I can take a pass on him here with some of the names we'll see in the sevens with – with Norton and Webb just above. We got Daniel Berger just below him, and I'm always kind of into Daniel Berger because I think people kind of overlook him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no denying that he has been playing very well lately and really overall this year. So personally, I'm I'm probably going to look elsewhere. He, he does – check the uh off the t off the t box there not so much the putting or the around the greens but i don't know i just see him out there with that goofy looking putter (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you can struggle I, i can i can easily look by him this week but i i think people are gonna be interested in him and i i guess i can't blame people for that yeah, I'm gonna wait to put him in until I, I get a better feel on ownership. Yeah. All right, so like you said, in the sevens, there's there's a lot of names here, a lot of quality names. Who are some of your favorites? 
Yeah, so there are really, really quite a few here. I think I have highlighted six people priced at 7400 on DraftKings, all of which I think are very interesting plays this week. Up top, I think you have to mention Brian Harmon at 7,900, who won last year. Again, not at Quail Hollow, but has plenty of history at Quail Hollow. Um, he, how did he, I think he, yeah, uh, he finished 44th at the Masters, so he made it all four days, but he had a, a Friday, Saturday, not so great, strong finish. Brian Harmon can hit the ball a long way. He He's gained strokes at the tournament. He's gained strokes at Quail Hollow over the, those four years, 2013 to 2016. 7900 is a good price for him. I think historically he's historically he's above that. The last time we saw him was at the RBC Heritage at 9800 where he finished 23rd. So I guess fading him would have been the option there, but I can't really ignore him at 7,900. One other person at 7,900 is Jason Duffner, who played with Pat Perez last week, and they did quite well. Jason Duffner, I've been a little into all year, and then I got sour on him, and I think people might probably keep that stance on him and probably look past him because he hasn't done anything too notable, but... He's piquing my interest a bit. Yep. Um, I could about, jump below that very closely, too. <laughs> like, I've got names here. Yeah, what, what, what about uh, Luke List? Because at 7,400, he's, he's one of the longest guys off the tee. He's going to be uber chalk this week. Yeah, so Luke List kind of kicks off that $7,400 range for me. And you're right. I think his game makes sense here. And he, he's been having like such a ridiculous season that you just want to play him week in and week out. And then he had that off week and missed a cut at the Valero. But I think everyone kind of like saw what he was doing. And it was like, when is Luke List going to, slow up here and that finally happened he hasn't had like crazy course history here but with with his drives his ability to gain strokes around the green it's like off the tee and around the green both both going to be big for him here and just recent form you can just completely cut that miscut out of there he was coming off of multiple weeks in a row. Yeah, that was busy. like I think his fifth week. Yeah, it was his fifth week playing straight. No, I think he might have had one one round off between the Houston and the RBC Heritage, but one way or another, he'd been playing a lot and he'd been playing a lot of good golf. And seventy four hundred, like he just went from like one of the most popular players at. 10,000 at the Valero when he missed the cut. And now he's down to 7,400. I know the field has gotten a bit stronger, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I would be pricing him a bit higher here. What about uh, another big boy, Bo Hostler? He's, uh, he's come down in price a bit. Yeah. You know, Bo Hostler was someone I was kind of thinking may 
may go overlooked here just with no course history, but like he's been playing very well and he he's got the ability. He's where is he? Is that pretty uh pretty good at putting on these greens stat wise on on the quick greens? Yeah, over to the rolling report at seventy four hundred. His last four rounds and eight rounds putting on quick Bermuda greens. He's sixth and fifth in the field, and I think that's going to be huge this week for someone. At seventy four hundred or at seventy four hundred dollars on DraftKings, he's also been playing quite well this season. He finished second at the Shell Houston Open, T sixteen at the RBC, and then fell a little back at the Valero. But I mean, considering who's around him right now, I think. You could get him very, very, very low owned. Some of the other names at 7,400. Mm-hmm. Luke List, Francesco Molinari, Terrell Hatton, Adam Hadwin, Gary Woodland. Just above him, you got Chesson Hadley, Bud Colley, Jason Dubner, James Hahn, Brian Harmon. Like, I think people are going to look right past him, and I think he could definitely, definitely give you a solid top 20 at least. Uh, at this price yeah uh, anyone else you, anyone you are immediately uh looking so at in this range my, my two favorite cash guys in any tournament they play in uh kevin streelman and gary woodland are back down in the low sevens right where we like them um you know there's, there's not much buzz about woodland coming in he's a big hitter uh i'm not afraid to use him in, in gpps either um, Streelman, it definitely in cash. I think we've gotten spoiled a little bit with his performance recently. Um, you know, he, he's been really, really good, uh, in the last couple weeks, but, um, yeah, that, that'll probably make him popular. So I'm probably going to limit his, his use to cash, cash lineups. Um, but he's a decent, a decent hitter off the tee as well. And, you know, should be making that cut. Yeah, Kevin Streelman saved me <laughs> in our last DraftKings week, and I was loving every minute of it. In the Kings of the Course, he was the only guy. I think he was, yeah, he was the only guy in my lineup that was unique to my lineup. So yeah, he came there's back. only four people. There's only four people in in this tournament. So it's like when you see 100% owned, 75% owned, 50% owned, 25% owned, 50% owned. It's like, Hmm, who do I need to do well this week? Kevin Streelman. Mm-hmm. He snuck by, made the cut right. and then had himself a weekend. And that like paid for me big time. So Kevin Streelman is someone who we expect to make the cut every single week. He has also fared quite well at Quail Hollow in the past, finishing T6, T14, and T9 in 2013, 14, and 15. So even just taking that into consideration, plus his recent play in really this whole season, I'd say he's a safe option. Uh, Safe is is a stretch. We know know he can kind of take a turn for the worst, but... 
I think he, he, he may be semi-popular here at 7,200, mm-hmm. but I, I'd consider him a cash play this week, personally. I think I would I would play him in a cash lineup. Yes, for sure in cash. I, I, I think he's going to help people fit in guys at the top and just, you know, people who who don't consider ownership are going to really gravitate towards him being at the bottom of the sevens. Yeah, and over his last 36 round, he's also steading out very well yeah. in both strokes gained off the tee and that putting on, uh, now putting on Bermuda and uh, strokes gained around the green. So if he's missing greens, I guess you could be confident he's going to get up and down. And if he's gaining strokes off the tee, in addition to that, he could put it all together and have himself quite a week. So mm-hmm. I like him. And I also agree with Gary Woodland, too. I, I am like, I've been very, very, very not very cautious with Gary Woodland. Ever since it was like Gary Woodland, Tony Finau time of like twenty five percent ownership week in and yeah. week out, I kind of stopped playing him. But you're looking at this; he's got the course history. He seems to be coming out of that little uh, hole he was in. So I think he's he's right back in play here too. And seventy four hundred is just a that, that's another great price for him. All right, and then uh, anybody in the in the scrub zone down in the sixes? Yeah, wh- one name I want to mention at seventy one hundred is Jamie Lovemark. I think mm-hmm. yeah, he burned think, some people uh, two weeks ago. What did he do two weeks ago? Did he miss a cut? I, I don't think he missed the cut, but like he was the guy that everything was pointing towards, and just had a, a mediocre kind of tournament where. Right, you know, you, you expected him to yep. to perform. Um, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. People were expecting him to be chalk. Yeah, the thirtieth. Yeah, he was chalk. He thirtieth at the Valero, um, and you know, he was one of the, the better prices that week, and and seemed like you know the model liked him. Uh, people were talking about him, and his ownership was huge, um, and just had a poor start, and never overcame it. Yeah, you know what? He was the, I think he was the one hundred percent owned guy in that uh, competition I was just talking about. So that does make sense. That's probably why I didn't care because he was one hundred percent owned and he made no difference to anything. Yeah. So that was probably the one thing I was paying attention to all week. And for some reason, two weeks ago now feels like a year ago after last week. Right. So. So yeah, I just wanted to mention him. He's he's also up there and putting on Bermuda, mm-hmm. putting on fast Bermuda and strokes gained around the tee or around the green. So he he's someone I'm looking at. He really hasn't like disappointed too much this year, especially over the last seven weeks. He's pretty much six weeks. He's finished top thirty every round. So that's a very very good price for him there and. He hasn't had any crazy course history, but I think at that price, I think he's someone to keep in mind right along with Kevin Streelman. Yeah, Kevin Streelman and Jamie Lovemark, probably two of my favorite low 7,000 options there. In terms of throwing some darts at less than 7,000, there's a couple names that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. At the very top, uh, Vaughn Taylor. Mm-hmm. 
Von Taylor is someone Von Taylor is someone who's like always priced at this range and it's always like, yep. hmm, maybe I'll play him. And then it's like either you do or you don't, and you kind of don't care either way because he doesn't do anything too crazy. He doesn't do anything too bad or too good. Mm-hmm. So kinda if I'm looking for someone to play that cheap, he always kind of like stats out why stats out kind of decently for me. But he's also got a little bit of course history and tournament history going for him here. Someone who more and more is falling into this same like low price bucket for some reason is Lucas Glover, mm-hmm. who another guy who doesn't have any like crazy finishes, but he's pretty he consistent. Made he's made year. 12 cuts and 13 starts. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then he's got the course history on top of that. He's gaining strokes off the tee. He hits the ball a mile. I think he's a, he's a very interesting option. I think people might notice him this week. Three guys down low, low, I'll mention. Trey Mullinax, JT Poston, and Kevin Twitt. I, I That's 67-66. Uh, because he's he's got the you know the distance that the model really is gonna like. Yeah. Yeah, and like I don't know if people are gonna it being at this price, sixty eight hundred, I'm hoping people just like completely overlook him. Yeah. But he finished second at the Valero. He finished eighth at the Valspar. 22nd at Corrales. That was not a very strong field at all. At all. But, I mean, you can't really deny his last three starts have been pretty good. And then on top of that, he's really gaining strokes off the tee. And 6800 i mean is there more to be said on top of that yeah really i think if you're looking for if you're trying to fit someone in up up at top or two of those guys at the 9k plus range you could find your way down to trey mullinax very easily kevin tway is kind of similar to me in that respect but especially jt poston uh statting out real well here too gaining strokes off the tee he hits the ball a long way and then gaining strokes around the green as of late so he's also had a pretty good last two starts in those same two tournaments the valero and the corrales 30th and a 19th so and he's 6700 so if i if i were to throw darts down there i think my my choices would be glover mullinax poston and tway yeah, so there's definitely a, a avenue to stars and scrubs uh, this week. Um, I think so. I think you definitely need to take caution with those guys down when I just mentioned there, but uh, it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah, and so you know it's early in the week here. We're recording on Monday night, a day early. The ownership data just isn't there yet, so I'm not going to really waste any time on it. We, we mentioned it a little going through the show. Outside of Rory, uh, there's, there's not a – uh, a ton of talk yet check back in with us as the week goes on hit us in slack um, and, and we can help you out there once we've got a feel for it uh, and then do you want to hit some yeah. fddk pricing discrepancies real quick alex yeah yeah so i got i got a whole list here um i was able to find quite a bit that kind of favor the dk side of things um I guess I'll go straight through them. I didn't, unfortunately, didn't sort them by any uh, large differences to small differences or anything. But 
right up top you got uh JT and Rory are just flip-flopped on the two sites, which is pretty interesting, actually, considering they do have a $500 difference on DraftKings. Um, you got Alexander Norin at 10-9, FanDuel 8-1 on DraftKings. He's 12th top-priced FanDuel, 18th on DraftKings, being favored on DraftKings. Adam Hadwin... Adam Hadwin's 10-4 on FanDuel, 7-4 on DraftKings at 16th and 35, favored on DraftKings. Terrell Hatton, similarly a little more, a uh, little, little lower priced on FanDuel, but he's 96 FanDuel, 7,400 DraftKings. It's 27th and 35th, favored on DraftKings. Go down to both Jamie Lovemark and Francesco Molinari are favored on DraftKings at 95 and 9700 on FanDuel, 71 and 74 on DraftKings. Those are two guys I really like this week, Jamie Lovemark and Francesco Molinari. Uh, Actually, every one of these last guys that are favored on DraftKings are all guys we've talked about, all cheap guys that I'm very interested in. Kevin Streelman is 9100 on FanDuel, 7200 on DraftKings. That's the 37th top price guy on FanDuel, 53rd on DraftKings. Like I said, favorite on DraftKings. And then you got Trey Mullinax, Lucas Glover, Kevin Tway, and JT Poston. They are ranging 83, 83, 78, 79 on FanDuel. And then you got 68, 68, 66, 67 on DraftKings. So they're all... Largely, that's like 61st top price guy on FanDuel, 101 on DraftKings, 81st on FanDuel, 127 DraftKings, 76 FanDuel, 114 DraftKings. So those guys are really, really favored on DraftKings, which kind of, uh, if you're playing DraftKings, like it's makes you think about taking a shot in the dark on some of those lower price guys. Yeah. In terms of FanDuel favoring players, uh, Hideki is up there at 11-1 on FanDuel, 9-4 on DraftKings, 11-6. It's not huge. Uh, Ryan Moore is 10,000 on FanDuel, 8,500 DraftKings. That's 20th top FanDuel, 14th top DraftKings playing on FanDuel. Bud Cauley, 8-9 versus 7-7, favored on FanDuel pretty substantially. Here's a big one. Patrick Rogers, 8,100 FanDuel, 7,600 DraftKings. at 68th top on FanDuel and 27th on DraftKings. Yeah, 27th on DraftKings, favored on FanDuel. James Hahn, also pretty, pretty large here. 8,500 FanDuel, 78 DraftKings. That's 53rd FanDuel, 23rd DraftKings. Play him on FanDuel. And one last one here, Keegan Bradley. 9,200 FanDuel, 7,800 DraftKings. It's 35th and 24th favorite on FanDuel. All right, good stuff, Alex. Um... Let's uh, let's wrap up with uh, with our one and done pick, and then throw some darts. Uh, so I used Luke List back at the uh, Valero and jinxed him into a miscut. Uh, apologies to anyone using him. Um, <laughs> so th- this week I'll, uh, I'll hopefully not end up jinxing um, 
my choice. Um, you know, JT, there's a little consideration, I think, because he's he's so good. Um, but <clears throat> I think I'm going to lean towards Rory. He's hot at the moment. You know, he's got he's got everything kind of going together, and I, I want to get him in before uh, before it kind of falls apart for him again. Is there anybody you, you're uh, you're interested in for the one one and done? I think one and done wise, I'm leaning towards Patrick Reed here. Catch him while he's hot. I think some of these bigger tournaments that we got coming up mm-hmm. later on, it might catch up to Patrick Reed after the Masters win. But on a course that he's played and has fared well at, gained strokes on, Patrick Reed has been very hot even before the Masters. That's one of the things I want to stress here is like he was he was on my yeah. radar coming into the Masters and for a reason. Plus he's like he he's he's done well at the course. He can putt on these greens. I really like him here and I think we could see him kind of like fade away going into the season. So I feel like Patrick Reed if you haven't used him as a pretty decent one and done pick here. All right, then the first start we're looking for this week, a, a big hitter, since that's going to play well to the course. I'm going to use Ben on. I, I know I've used him in this segment before uh, at the Houston, and he, and he was a little bit of a letdown. And, of course, he comes back at the RBC at a course where distance really is negated, and he goes and ties for seventh. So um, I think he, he he's, he's – hopefully he's not following that every other trend, but uh, – I think he's got a good shot this week. He, he's good putter on Bermuda, and, and he's got the distance. Yeah, I, I think he's standing out well, too. I, I always uh, take caution. I actually very rarely play him DFS-wise, but that's why he's yep. a dart. Um, big hitter-wise, I'm going to have to go with Tommy Fleetwood here. I I mentioned him earlier. I, just, I like him this week, and as much as he – keep performing in a way that I don't really want to pay for him. I think he's priced appropriately here. I think he stands out at the range. And I think he'll I think he'll do well this week. All right. The, Coming off yeah, a good week too. Yeah. The next start we're looking for is a Carolina connection. Somebody, you know, who's going to college in the area, has a house there, grew up there, something like that. Um, my guy's gonna be Kevin Streelman. He went to college at Duke. So that might give him a little bit of a leg up uh, on guys who who haven't spent as much time in this neck of the woods as he has. Yep. Um, I think we said what needs to be said about Kevin Strelman. Uh For me, I'm going to take Webb Simpson here, born in Raleigh, North Carolina, member, member at Quail Hollow performed well here in the past clearly knows the course he's probably more than up to date on any changes that have been made at the course webb simpson all the way i think this is why we're seeing that putting stat to be honest like he knows these greens these are the greens he grew up putting on and i think there's something to be said about that it it helps being a member of the club You're, you're gonna know it for sure Exactly. Right, yeah. And then last dart is our, our comeback dart. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little crazy. I'm, I'm going to throw a dart at Adam Scott. Uh, you know, he's, right. he's got the distance. He, he's got the ball striking. It's the short game and the putting that just falls apart for him. 
nobody's touching Adam Scott this week after uh, some of the letdowns he's had lately. Um, you know, the, the, the masters. Um, and then at the, uh, the tournament, he was a big favorite at um, the Valero where he, you know, he, he got cut at the Valero. So, I think people uh, have had their fill of Adam Scott. You're going to get him at a good ownership. And it might just be that random week that the putter uh, doesn't kill him. The one thing I'll give you on that is Adam Scott has shown us flashes of being back. And he keeps making you think like, all right, all right. Okay, this is the old Adam Scott. Wait, never mind. So I'm not going to fault you too much, but... I'm probably also going to be filing him in the don't play category, but again, that's why they're darts. Comeback wise, does Luke List count as a comeback because he's coming off of a miscut? If so, he's my guy. He missed a cut. All right, Luke List, because the dude is having himself a season and he stats out here. He's he's got the he's got the game for this course, and I. I, I think I can lean on that a bit this week. All right. There you go. That does it for uh, for the show tonight, guys. Thanks for uh, being uh, being on board with us. Um, as always, you can get me on Twitter at Roto underscore Juan, W-A-N. Alex is at Donald Remington. If you're not subscribed to the full tier on Patreon, go over there to patreon.com slash lineuplogic. And uh, definitely consider it. You'll get the model as well as the cheat sheet that we put together that's going to really help you uh, solidify some lineups and, and get you in, in the cut. But, yep. You get 24-hour access to our Slack our channel. amazing opinions yeah. all the time, too. Yeah, I mean, that so much happens in Slack throughout the week. It's, you know, I feel bad for guys that don't have the time to – to get on there like some of us do that there needs to be like a, a slack report at the end of the day to summarize. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially on these Wednesday and Thursday mornings. And so there's a lot going on where yeah, I, I will say one of the neat things about slack is that you can, you can customize notifications. So where you're specifically like at it, you know, either an at channel or at your, your username, you can, prevent notifications for all but that that's a good one to have left on because you know like if if alex catches a miss you know somebody who's going to be a an early withdrawal um like the week adam hadwin was he put it out there so um you know you might have got that notification but yep yeah it's definitely good i'm usually uh on twitter pretty hard monday tuesday wednesday so uh (laughs) Try to not miss any yeah. news like that. <laughs> All right, guys. Good luck this week. Alex, uh, I expect you to be in the the uh, kings of the, the – uh, what was it called? Kings of the – Kings of the course. Of the I, I was trying to – I kept thinking kings of the fairway. I'm still alive this week, and I plan to still be alive next week, and that's – continues to be my main goal. So I will keep everybody updated. It's definitely on awesome that. seeing your name up there. All right. Good luck, everyone. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.